This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, a podcast designed to help equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and be confident in their faith. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us today on Christ, Culture, and Coffee. And we are super excited to be back with you guys this week. We have a special guest on the podcast today. Yeah, this is going to be a really great episode. Like, our guest today is somebody I've known of for, oh man, it's probably close to 19, 20 years since I was in college and hearing about this guy and the books he was writing and the movement he was in. Uh, We have with us today Dan Kimball. Dan is the author of several books on leadership, church, and culture. And actually, two of Dan's books that we highly recommend. Uh, the first one is Adventures in Churchland, Finding Jesus in the Mess of Organized Religion. And the second one is this one right here, How Not to Read the Bible, Making Sense of the Anti-Women, Anti-Science, uh, Pro-Violence, Pro-Slavery, and Other Crazy-Sounding Parts of Scripture. So definitely check this out. It'll be in the show notes and in the links. You're going to want to buy it and read it. But Dan uh, is one of the founders of Vintage Church, Vintage Faith Church in Santa Cruz, California, and he still serves on staff there. But he's also a faculty member at Western Seminary, and he leads the Regeneration Project, which exists to equip and encourage a new generation to think theologically and participate in the mission of the church. Dan, thank Mm. you so much for being with us today on Christ, Culture, and Coffee. It's good to have you here. Well, it's great being here, and greetings from Santa Cruz, California, to Arizona. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Uh, well, Dan, this is a, a big part of our show, as we have this uh, thing where we always ask our guests when they come on, do you like coffee? And if so, what type of coffee do you like? Yeah, I'm, I'm drinking coffee right now, not because <laughs> uh, I'm on, on this, but I, I drink coffee quite a bit. And uh, I, I am primarily a... Um, a simple coffee person like I will generally mm. just get whatever dark coffee is available and I put in almond milk so my oh, yeah. drink of choice is dark the darkest roast and almond milk put in it nice. um, now our, our church actually opened up a seven day a week coffee house and oh, so wow. it's a major oh, cool. part of uh, the universe the local universities in there I mean it's right now we have limited seating because of COVID but uh, yeah very much um, there's a manager of the coffee house named Samantha, but so she knows the coffee world. But that's the coffee house is a major part of our church. That's really cool, man. That's such a cool way to be out in the community seven days a week, serving people and uh, yeah, reaching out to them with the love of Christ. That's that's cool. I've wanted to yeah. open a coffee shop for like years. Um, that's a dream. Yeah, it's down the line. It's yeah. something that I, I'd love to be a part of too. It's just nice the idea of having coffee on hand all the time too. Well, not even just coffee. that. Yeah, church good coffee is typically not the best. Sure, just like <laughs> no, drip it, coffee. Yeah. Maybe. It's good coffee, and it's always always interesting. I can't say this for certain, but I'm pretty sure that probably in any given moment of the day, uh, there's probably more non-Christians in our church building than anywhere else in town, because we constantly have that place pretty full during when school's in. This past year's been different, but usually it's a pretty large coffee house, so we have music venue and different things that happen in there. So Man, it's quite fun. Is, you're, you're up studying, you walk down, you're amidst a whole bunch of people from town and students sitting in there, sitting that, in the church building. That's awesome, man. I love it. Well, that's great. Yeah. Yep. Well, hey, let's get into uh, talking a little bit about you and your past and, and your new book. Um, so, Dan, you were part of what was called the Emergent Church Movement back when I was in college in the early 2000s. Uh, I saw you speak at conferences. I read your early books about that. And um, last week on our on our show, we talked about the dangers of progressive Christianity and how progressive Christianity has kind of morphed out of some of the emergent church leaders from back in the day. Now, we know you don't hold the progressive Christian uh, uh, beliefs and doctrines, but can you tell us a little bit about those early days in the emergent church movement and then why you aren't involved in the progressive Christian movement? Yeah, uh, uh, for me— I have always had, I mean, still to this day, it's what drives me, is wanting to see people that don't know Jesus know who he is. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I mean, you know, I've been ministering now long enough to see cycles happen. And and a lot of churches will change, this sounds very cliche, but, you know, change the methodology to get the message out to people, depending on what generation, what, what town you might be in. Yeah. There's all different factors to it. So for me back then, way back the topic was uh, Generation X. So this was like whatever you, the late 90s, you know, Generation X was the generation. And we were dealing with the seeker 
churches at that time, because a lot of secret churches had thousands and thousands of people, but were missing Generation X. Yeah. So um, we st- I started a young adult ministry, and it grew to like 800,000 young adults, and so wow. it got some national attention, especially in Santa Cruz. Wow. And we were constantly just like rethinking, what do we need to change uh, in terms of how you define community or mm-hmm. how you, you know, what, what about communication style? What about uh, music, methodology? What are some of the values in things? And that has been, that was the driving factor back in what we were calling the emerging church. Mm-hmm. It was saying, what, what are the emerging things a church on mission should be paying attention to mm-hmm. that are happening to create a, you know, a mission-based ministry to proclaim who Jesus is and move on? And so in those early days, there were several churches that were, um, uh, that, that a group called Leadership Network, they were kind of like the connecting factor, like there were scouts. In fact, mm. their logo, their, their tagline at the time was Scouts for the Emerging Church. And they were like gathering, you know, hearing about different churches across the nation and bringing us together. And that's how I got involved with that particular group of folks that was mainly called emerging church leaders, emerging leaders, looking after, trying to figure out how to reach Generation X. And during those years, what occurred was some within the group, uh, they weren't thinking as much methodology. Now, any methodology that you change does have theological ramifications. So I'm not saying methodology isn't theology. Everything we do is theology. (laughs) But there was more of a let's not just think re- rethink methodology. Let's think through theology. Mm. And uh, and I can tell you this: at first, I really wasn't paying attention. I was just kind of like, reach the next generation, let's go. <laughs> and and it was a it was a really fun time because you know it was connecting with uh, leaders across the country. But what started happening more and more was there was a group within the group. Um, and they're a good guy. I mean, I hung out with them uh, so many times, like, you know, and it was, uh, which mm. became what was known more as emergent. Mm. Now, if that group would have been called Odyssey or something, it would have been no problem. But because there was emerging and emergent, mm. uh, very tight, close sounding, you know, names, the same group, but kind of different focuses, it yeah. kind of got all meshed together and very confusing. Mm. But for me, I had to, I, you know, I talked with, uh, uh, you know, some of, some of those that were friends uh, at the time, and I just said, I can't, the theology is too different, and I couldn't partner, you know, be part of events or writing or uh, be supportive of the theological direction. And so I just kind of just stopped, you know, participating in those things and and kept going with local church and other people that were more on mission and in the way that um, I, I personally was in our church. So, uh, but the issues that were coming up, you know, were things about the view of the Bible. You know, um, yeah. what what do you mean? This is this is probably what was really confusing, and I think it's still confusing today. You can use Christian terminology, but you now have to ask definitions. Yeah, yeah. and that's, I think that's really that's really critical because you can say gospel, you can say the Bible is inspired. Uh, you know, you, you can say so many, uh, you know, you can say Jesus, uh, but you, it's today you have to ask, you know, what do you mean by those terms? And mm-hmm. I think I was a little just under assumptions, as many people were, you know, when you're saying gospel, you're all talking about Jesus's death, resurrection, payment for <laughs> sin, put yeah. faith in him, forgiven, right? right? And that gospel wasn't defined the same way. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what started causing a lot of confusion and, and, and it was happened back then. And I do think the same thing is still going on today, and it's called now progressive Christianity. And I think uh, uh, it's the same underlying factors that are going on. But I'm a little more even alarmed more now than I even was about 15 years ago, whenever that was. Mm-hmm. That's well, so interesting. I remember yeah. how, um, I, you know, because I was watching this as like a college kid. I was in Bible college. And so yeah. we're watching all of this and going to all the conferences. And I remember there was a distinct time where it seemed like, Oh, Dan Kimball and Mark Driscoll aren't a part of that anymore. Right. <laughs> it's like yeah, from an outsider's perspective, I thought, oh, wow, that's interesting. What's going on? And then I saw you and I saw Mark just continue to preach the truth and preach classical yeah. Christianity, historic Christianity. And it was really interesting for me to see um, 
I don't know. It was just it was a fascinating time in my life, to be honest, thinking through <laughs> all of that and then watching guys like you uh, stay the course with with yeah, real yeah. Christianity and not have like theological drift and those types of things. So I do appreciate um, what you did. And obviously standing for truth is something all of us want to be doing uh, no matter no matter what. I right. do think it is fascinating, though, because I was looking at all of your books uh, earlier today and one your I think it's your first book. Well, at least on your website, your first book, the the foreword is by Rick Warren and Brian McLaren. Yes, and that yeah. that is just such that's so fascinating to me. Looking back on that well, and seeing those guys, those yeah. guys there. Well, something like to know was back at that particular time period. Uh, there wasn't yet the controversy about uh, you know beliefs of those that were more in mm-hmm. the direction of emergent. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, direction of things. So you had Rick. Who was uh, you know, was more like the seeker church uh, person? You know, Rick passionate about uh, non Christians and mm-hmm. and changing methods is needed. So he was wonderful and wanting to chime in to, you know, say like let's reach the next generation. And you had Brian, who was the thoughtful kind of thinking person that was coming to light at the time. So at that particular point, we had the fusion of those two that were not in uh, theological. Um, uh, you know, what's called you know, conflict at that point, mm-hmm. which then did happen later on. In fact, if you do see even, you know, that's an, it's an old book now, but even they, we ended up changing the cover, took the forward names off. So oh, okay. it was not, uh, it wasn't, it wouldn't be confusing because it then be, did become confusing. And then you'd see all these strange websites. Rick Warren is uh, emergent and, you know, and all of this. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah. So it was, uh, I, but I totally get why it was confusing because if you weren't, you know, on the in the conversation, just watching it from the outside, it might I could see why it'd be confusing. Yeah, right. definitely. Well, yeah. it's just yeah, a really interesting thing to happen. Um, and uh, again, I am grateful for you and for Mark just saying no, we're going to be orthodox in our views of Christianity and what the truth of the gospel is. So yeah. definitely appreciate that. And I, I was going to say to touch on those uh, orthodox views too that you're encountering, obviously uh, you would have a high view of what scripture is, whereas uh, the modern day progressive church has kind of a low view of scripture. So we were going to ask and wondering, how would you say that uh, you, you, why would you say that you would have a high view of scripture as opposed to the progressive church from your standpoint? Yeah, I mean, I have my Bible right here. I take, I mean, you can mm. carry it on your on your phone anywhere in any form. I still use a, a print version because I underline it and I mark it, and it's everywhere I go um, with me. But what to me, what Scripture is is God throughout history used certain individuals through the Holy Spirit to write down exactly in the original documents what He wanted us to know. Mm. I do think. As I write about in the new book, we have to put into interpretive methods to understand what was he saying to the original people groups that he was writing to. So, you know, so we're making better sense of some of those things. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Scripture is how we know Jesus. Like, it's how we know God. It is how we know—we can know God limited through nature and certain things yeah. like that. But, you know, I always hear—I'm hearing lately, like, you know, I just want to—I need Jesus. I don't need the Scriptures as much or— <laughs> I was in a conversation with the guy, and he's like, yeah, I'm not into the Bible too much. I'm just into Jesus. And I was sitting at a table, and I'm like, well, let me ask you, like, how do you know about Jesus? <laughs> yeah, know? Right. And I'm like, how do you know you're not making up a Jesus in your head? Yeah. You have to be, like, comparing when we say Jesus. When I think of Jesus, it's the Jesus of Scripture, because that is pretty much where we get everything we know about him from and his teachings. Mm-hmm. You know, and I love Jesus. What did Jesus say? Um, if you love me, you will obey my commands. How do you know his commands? You got to be in the scriptures to see what he, what he said. So coming back to your question about high view, mm. uh, uh, scriptures, I mean, it is Jesus's everything, of course. But mm. our way of understanding him has, to, and 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 not just Jesus, but where we came from, our story, where we're heading, mm. beliefs, morals, ethics. It comes from the scriptures, and so I can't express any more encouragement to any Christian. I just said this to a group um, in Canada last week that I was talking with, and I said, I think it's insane if Christians today are not saying, I have to prioritize the study of Scripture more than ever before, Mm. Oh yeah, because there's so much confusion out there. So 
Um, I'm in the scriptures every day, and I just can't say that. So I'm not. A, I'm not sure if I'm answering your question. No, but that's great. Yeah, yeah. Because that's the thing too. Yeah. I actually, I had like, I went to Bible call, school for um, uh, biblical studies, and I had a lot of students who were in class with me who I actually heard them say that before. That statement's just like what you said. They were like, "No, I'm just focused on Jesus. I don't need to worry about like what what I'm how I'm interpreting my scripture." And I'm like. Well, isn't that like how you know Jesus is how you interpret scripture? Like that that's it's crazy because this is just becoming such a popular movement in the church and it's it's really scary. And like you said, it's really important that we're uh speaking truth to that and that we're defining those terms because it's crazy how everything's just relative lately. Well, even, yeah. you know, and I think these are the dangers that I'm I I I sense out there and now, when we're saying like red letter Christian, like um, now my Bible's red letter. I wish it wasn't. They didn't have the version in the large print that I now need to to see it without mm. glasses. Uh, but you know, you're hearing that. Well, I want to be a red letter Christian. Now I know there's really good intent in the red letter part of saying like I want to focus on what Jesus says. Mm-hmm. But I, I said this. I say this pretty regularly. Jesus wouldn't have been a red letter red letter Christian, right? Because sure. Um, in fact, if we're only a red-letter Christian, we have a very narrow understanding of who Jesus was, mm-hmm. because you know he commissioned Paul to write about him, you know, and to carry on his message in in that way. And mm-hmm. so, like, without the rest of the New Testament, we're not going to understand Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why the whole red-letter kind of movement sounds very romantic and even a little rebel-like. I'm all about Jesus, but Jesus would not be a red-letter Christian. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, that's true. And I just think these are the kind of things that I see happening more and more, which then definitely cause concern, because then somebody may have, well, I know Jesus, but then you don't know, you don't really know Jesus, because Mm -hmm. then you're only knowing little Mm -hmm. bits about him. When you have the fullness of the entire New Testament and all of the Old Testament— which also spoke about Jesus, and Jesus loved the Old Testament, obviously. Mm-hmm. And and so that that's why I keep saying, like, definitions are important. Mm. If somebody says, I love Jesus, I just always wonder, like, all right, which Jesus is it? Yeah. And I want to know a little bit more about what you're, you know, um, what, what, you, what you mean by that, and, and who is Jesus to you? Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. I, I was actually, I was having a conversation yesterday with a guy at a coffee shop, and we were talking about progressive Christianity and, and I, kind of the same thing as you is like the definition is so funny because to be a Christian means that you follow Christ. And yet so much of their theology is, well, I don't really believe that what he said and I don't, I don't like that he said this. And then like you said, if we, if we understand that all of scripture is inspired by God – um, and, and we're throwing out or we're cutting and pasting what we like or dislike. I don't know how we can call ourselves followers of that guy. And at that point, it's just a, it's just a name that people affiliate yeah. themselves with to say I'm not Buddhist. Like I, I get confused sometimes as to why people use it. If it doesn't mean I follow the things that this person, it's, said. it's like we mentioned before too. Like it feels like every outsider religious idea outside of Christianity wants a piece of Jesus somehow. It's like he's just yeah. included in everything. <laughs> yeah, everyone likes yeah. Jesus in their own image, I guess. Yeah, like, that's what I mean. They take crazy. him and they like him. But yeah. yeah, it's very interesting. Well, Dan, I let's... Think it, I yeah, think it was Scott McKnight who said uh, he used to, when he, when he was teaching undergrad and he'd um, quiz all of his students about who do you think Jesus is, and they'd they write a description, and then generally... When they looked at the description, they were kind of describing themselves, like, you know, their own <laughs> temperament. You know, yeah. if I'm outgoing and I'm a boisterous personality, then that's probably what Jesus was. If I'm an introvert and I like kind of like sitting, then Jesus was probably like that. But I do think we all are are um, naturally wanting to read, create Jesus or whoever, like, you know, how we probably think he is. That's why uh, it's so critical to read the scriptures or mm-hmm. else our default will be like, he's on my side. or <laughs> And we have to be willing to say, you know, I'm, you know, it might be even a local church, uh, you know, they, we portray Jesus a certain way, but we want to make sure, is it the Jesus of the whole scriptures? And um, so we always have to be, that, to me, that's why I keep saying scripture is so important, because we will naturally probably want to create Jesus like we would think he would be. Yeah. We have mm-hmm. to make sure how we think he would be is alignment with who he really is. Yeah. That's so good, Dan. Yeah. Well, hey, let's uh, talk about your new book, How Not to Read the Bible. So 
can you share with us a little bit about what the premise of this book is and then what motivated you to write it? Yeah, uh, it's, it's sort of a continuation of what we just were talking about. Uh, I've been in the cycles of church long enough now to, uh, you know, to see things, you know, in pat what's a trend and what's, what's you know, just a, something that maybe is bigger than a trend that's affecting people. And I think what's been going on is uh, at least ministry years of what I've been able to personally observe. And back in those early days of emerging church and all of that, there was a sense of a disconnect to stylistic differences in churches. Mm. And it was like, you know, the preaching feels like a business seminar or mm. the music's, you know, like uh, is too goofy, you know, mm. or we want to see some maybe symbols of the ancient faith. They took all the crosses out. Let's bring the crosses in. Mm. Uh, there, there's things like that. And it was more stylistic changes in, in many ways that were going on. That do another time period, and this is when Bono actually toured, I forget what year it was, 2002 or something, he toured, um, you know, all of the, um, a lot of the Christian universities that were out mm -hmm. there, and we saw this rise up, and then uh, this is when I wrote They Like Jesus But Not the Church, and uh, Dave Kinnaman and uh, Gabe Lyons wrote Unchristian, like there's kind of like, yeah. what are the attitudes that were projecting out to people? And it was about you know, anti this, we're judgmental, and, and et cetera. It's more like attitudes towards outsiders. And I think today the main issue is not those. We've caught up with style and, and often goofy music, in my opinion. We've caught up to like <laughs> pop culture music. And I, I, I don't want to start talking about uh, music. I'm a musician <laughs> and I would hate to start. Going, but, but I'll just say, I think we've caught up with that. We got parking lots and video machine videos and all kinds of lights and different things. We're not we're not unculturally hip anymore, right? So mm -hmm. I think the issue now, and it isn't that we're not unloving. We've kind of almost clammed up a lot of us. Like I don't I don't want to be hateful. I don't want to be judgmental. So I'm not going to talk about much. Mm -hmm. And now what's going on is we have, I believe, gener a generation that's rising up that um, due to these cycles in not all churches, but in the general, to use the term in a good way, evangelical church that doesn't know the scriptures too much. Mm -hmm. And what's going on is, you know, the positive stories and you know, like the, uh, you know, the good verses, but we don't know a lot of, a lot of the basic doctrines. We don't know what we really believe. And then what's going on is you're starting to hear the deconstruction stories. Mm -hmm. And I do believe there's always something else going behind those deconstruction mm -hmm. stories. And then the beliefs are thrown in as part of that. But what I've going on, and I started actually this book with the story of a, a university student who um, grew up in a great church, good music, nothing bad. And then he started actually studying the Bible as an adult. And he started having questions about slavery in the Bible uh, hmm. versus that, were, you know, does the Bible endorse slavery? What about God killing the firstborn of the Egyptians? And we recoil back in horror about, um, you know, that, that Herod killed the two-year-olds and under in Bethlehem. But we're okay with God doing, you know, kind of the same in Egypt, yeah. and and he's and there's sort of all of these questions were coming up that weren't just, you know, um, God loves you, believe in the gospel, and you're saved. You know, these were like this stuff is in the Bible, and due <laughs> yeah. to the internet, there's so many sources out there now that are now raising up all of these Bible verses. And I think what's going now is there's becoming a crisis of faith among a lot of younger people, not because they didn't know what they really believed to begin with. And now that there's aggression coming in to point out slavery, anti-women sounding things, you know, mm -hmm. talking snakes, rib, rib women, eating the fruit from a magical tree, all of these things that we're seeing online, it's causing questioning, doubt, um, uh, you know, in 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 this, and then parents are unable to answer, yeah. and yeah. not necessarily all the youth leaders. And I, I wasn't originally, so I can say I would have been one of them, <laughs> ready to answer these things. And so I wrote this to say there are reasonable answers to these uh, disturbing-sounding things in the Bible, because now the thing's not about style yeah. anymore. It's really about belief and theology and. Yeah. And and I think yeah so and Core that's doctrines, why I, yeah yeah and that's why I think the drift is so easy now to progressive beliefs because that's the cultural winds mm -hmm. and if you're not grounded in 
it's easy to just oh so there's other ways of looking at the bible that you know and it can just yeah. easily shift to uh beliefs that really end up to me uh teaching a different gospel than the one in the scriptures mm-hmm. so that's why i wrote it lots of reasons but uh, that's a little story behind it that's awesome yeah man. well cool well let's get into talking about a little bit about uh, some of the crazy stuff in there right yeah that's the thing like because obviously there's tons of different crazy stories that people point out like uh i mean you touched on a couple of them that they people have issues with and they're kind of tr- struggling with what's happening in scripture do you want to touch on uh what are some of those crazy sounding parts of scripture uh that you have touched on uh where you've heard maybe from other non-christians have issues with in the Bible. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing about, like you say, in our short time we have together, every one of these topics, because this is what I do think is true. Mm. In the past, and I, I agree this has happened, sometimes out of good intention, we've sort of made difficult problems just really light light answers. Like, mm. nope, solves it, don't think about it. Like, yeah. um, and, I, and so what I, when I'm raising, when we raise up any of these, you know, we could easily talk 45 minutes on just one of them. Hmm. So like what I want to make sure I'm never doing is being guilty of what a good criticism of it is uh, sometimes a Christian saying, hey, you're just like surface addressing something and you're ignoring a lot. So yeah. I'm saying all of that just to say that, um, you know, I, I can address some of these quickly, you know, but that's mm-hmm. why I wrote three chapters on each each of these, and then there's full great books by many great scholars to go into them. So, like, like let's take an obvious one that comes up a lot, and it's uh, in First Corinthians when it's talking about women being silent, mm. go home, ask your husbands. Um, you must be silent in the church. It is a disgrace for a woman to speak in the church. You must go home and ask your husbands the questions. Right. So you see crazy. that, yeah, it sounds yeah, crazy. That verse, I mean, it, right, it does, right? <laughs> yeah. So, because I read that verse, then I see a, a meme, a graphic of a woman with her mouth taped shut, mm. or worse, there's many worse type of things that are done, and I'm seeing Bible verse with an image. That's mm-hmm. a very powerful statement, because this is not, oh, Christians are just judgmental. No, this is the Bible being used to discredit the Bible. Mm. And if you just were, you know, blunt, you start surveying people, you know, how that, how does that make sense? You know, and you start reading these things. And so say something like that. And this is my, my hope with this book is to give enough examples that then when you see more and more and more, you won't get caught off guard and you just learn some basic Bible study methods that will be able to apply to any of these kind of verses that you see. Yeah. Yeah. But say that one surface value, it certainly looks, uh, I don't I have it over here. There's I have another one with that Bible verse, and they have women on uh, horrible to say this isn't. Uh, they they put a graphic of women um, on dog leashes mm. being you know walked by men, saying like, look how the Bible demean demeans women, mm. and then they put the Bible verse up that very verse. So when you look at it, you have to say, okay, who wrote it? I mean, you you guys know this really smart. You know, basic Bible study methods. Yeah. Never read a Bible verse. Mm. The Bible was written for us, not to us, which means you who was originally written to and why and what was going on in the situation. And just very quickly, you can quickly assess that Paul was not meaning for them to literally be quiet because three chapters earlier, he's telling women to pray and prophesy in the church. <laughs> yeah. So, a, you know, a surface reading certainly makes a good meme, right? But then... Uh, but then you, it, it, it's not making sense. And then you'll see, you know, Paul had women that were used and everything we can see in terms of like, you know, teaching context, leader con- leadership context. And I'm not even getting into women, the role of women in local churches. That's another sure. whole discussion. Yeah. All I'm trying to say is that verse couldn't have possibly meant what you see in the meme. But it makes yeah. a good graphic and a quick. I didn't know that women. It's disgraceful for women to speak in church. I, mm-hmm. This Bible is pretty crazy. So that's the kind of thing. Very quick answer, and that's not even getting into what was what was appropriate learning at the time in Greco-Roman world. What was the posture of learning? Mm-hmm. And it was actually you would sit and you would be quiet until you gain the knowledge to then be able to participate more. There's all different thoughts about what that meant, yeah. but it certainly was not a blanket command, women be silent, 
don't speak up on this church and cover your mouth with tape like the, <laughs> the, the graphic show. Yeah, and when we see how Paul talks about women in other places and we see how Jesus treats women, yeah. uh, we have to go, I'm missing something here. I, I think that's always – it's it's like an act of humility to say – I see what it says, but it can't mean how I'm interpreting it right now. I need to dig a little bit deeper. I need to actually do some study and figure out why Paul said this to these people at this time in this city. Um, yes. But, but the sad thing is, and, and you know this, is is so many Christians – I mean, it's just a fight to get them to read their Bible devotionally. And we always yeah. talk about how the Bible gets treated like a fortune cookie, right? Yeah. I crack it open. I read a sentence. I feel good about my life and I move on. And that's right. like what it's intended to be. And so how do we – it's so hard sometimes to excite people or to motivate people to do the hard work of hermeneutics and Bible study. And so how do you – like in your ministry at Vintage Faith, like how do you motivate people to engage with good Bible study habits? Yeah, a lot of it is the teachers value, you know, raising the value to say, uh, you know, I mean <laughs> – a lot of it is the church culture, I think, that you develop, because mm -hmm. you'll see through time what do churches value? You know, do they value uh, just the music? Do they value, you know, excitement? Do they value people serving? Do they value just, you know, uh, getting involved in local compassion and justice issues? What surfaces yeah. a lot? I can't stress that I keep I'm being redundant here. I can't stress that church, local churches need to be stressing the importance of Bible study and reading more than ever before mm -hmm. today, yeah. because you can do justice and help you know help the poor and different things like that, but atheists do the same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Buddhists yeah. and Hindus, you know, yeah. they may be helping out. No, we're supposed to, of course, but that does not then uh, cause you. Uh, to understand what you believe more, you know, there's an angle to it. Some kind of maybe I'm off track here a little bit with what my point is. But uh, say as our church, like over the course of this past year with COVID, I it was three or four times um, I personally taught it uh, uh, was like how to study the Bible, offered it as something to to do, making that a regular uh, thing that you're doing in your um, you know in your churches, offering that you know uh, having. And making it not just like, oh, I hope you can get to it. You know, just like it's I say this often to our church. It's insane if we don't like read the scriptures. So you have <laughs> yeah. to just creating a culture, you know, putting up like in the book, I use a lot of memes. Right. So with youth groups, putting up a meme and then saying, like, say it's the meme of the woman with the mouth tape shut and the uh, and the Bible verse. Like, how do you answer that? Like, yeah. that certainly is an engaging way to teach because. So like any normal person go like, is that in the Bible? How do I learn what that is? Mm -hmm. And I just think when we teach, we just, we're going through First Thessalonians in our church right now. We spent a whole Sunday just on the background of the Thessalonica church, yeah. who was Paul, what was going on in the book of Acts, to show where it's coming from and its context so that then when we do study it, we're starting to place ourselves more in what was going on in that world so we can understand the scriptures more. I just think we have to demonstrate this through our teaching. Mm -hmm. um, I mentioned in the book that world that um, uh, the West Wing clip. Are you guys familiar with that? That West. Yeah, Wing? I would love for you to talk about that because I remember seeing that way back in the day, yeah. and it is such a powerful uh, rhetorical device. I've heard people play it on radio shows too. As a see, Christians are crazy. So yeah, I'd love for no, you to talk totally. about that. Yeah, I mean, there was, this was, I don't know, 10 or 12 years ago, I'm sure, whenever the uh, West Wing was a TV, popular TV show, you know, and the, for those that don't know the show, it was about the White House, you know, was the, Martin Sheen plays the president, and it's kind of like about the White House world back at that time. And there's a, there's one episode where the president walks into a room of uh, reporters, I'm sorry, people that host radio shows or something, and he's addressing them, and all of a sudden there's one woman that's just... Uh, everyone sits, stands up in honor of the president, and she's the one that's sitting down, and so he causes the, her to get attention. So, of course, it's the Christian who's being disrespectful. <laughs> of course, yeah. And then, uh, and then he's just like, hey, I'm, uh, and he just looks at her, he's like, you're a Christian, aren't you? And then he just starts quoting a lot of Levitical laws, you know, um, my brother, you know, should I sell my brother, should I sell my daughter into slavery? What would be a good price for her? And then he quotes Exodus chapter 20 or 21, whatever that is. The uh, 
and he just starts quoting Bible verses to her, mm-hmm. and she sits there kind of like, no response, and you know things like, Should, can I not play football? Uh, should we have to wear gloves to wear football? Because the scriptures say, don't touch the skin of a dead pig, and then he quotes Leviticus. Mm-hmm. And he just slams her with Bible verses. She sits down like like a like she's a fool, like you defeated me, you're right. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like this triumphant, like you stupid Christians, you believe in all these insane, bizarre things in the Bible. Yeah. How silly you are. Um now, just in and and quick, um, so what we did in our church, I don't know, six years ago or something, like we played the video right at the end of one of my teachings on a Sunday for the whole church. And we played it up on the screen. And then when it's over, I just looked at everybody. I'm like, how the heck do you answer that? And I'm like, come back, come back next week. Okay. And, um, That's good. We did wow. that. And yeah. then we played the video again the next Sunday and we actually dissected it and we walked through each of his claims mm. to show mm-hmm. how you would respond to those. So it's just like being creative with how you teach because everybody, I believe, will want to learn Mm-hmm. If we're proposing, you know, if you, if you propose the, the the problems you want to have them solved, then I think we teach people how to do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's good. awesome, and that's one of the things we try to do is like obviously we're we're an apologetics uh, podcast, but we like to because I, I I love apologetics and I went to Biola for apologetics degree and I love reading like that high theology stuff and I know you love reading really mm-hmm. hard stuff, but I feel like we want to make it understandable to people in the pew. Yes. And it and it can be understandable. It's not like it's not like everybody can't get it. Theology and right. apologetics are for Christians, not just, you know, the supposed professional Christians. And yeah. so yeah, figuring out ways where we can it's it's almost like you're a translator, right? Like I'm taking this, I'm abridged from William Lane Craig to the junior high student <laughs> yeah. in my pew. I'm trying to help them understand these things. And those are great ways to do it with memes, with video clips, just to be creative, to raise the awareness in your audience and then be able to say, "Hey, don't freak out. We've got answers to this. Let me help you think through it." That's awesome. Yeah, cuz like same thing. There's so many. There's a website called evilbible.com. And that has come up in many mm. conversations because when people search out, say they're typing in, you know, a verse about don't eat shrimp, that mm. that website often will come up and others and lots of YouTube videos now that's saying like, look, Christians eat shrimp. They're hypocritical. They're picking and choosing Bible verses and they'll say they'll eat shrimp even though the Bible says no, but then they'll say don't do other things. Like so they're hypocritical Christians that don't know their Bibles and you're hearing a lot of the from when I say the word atheist, you know, it's like 98.5% of atheists are just kind, loving people that leave Christians alone. Mm-hmm. And then there's the 1% that are the activists that are <laughs> posting all this stuff up on websites and things. Yeah. So I'd everyone's like, those atheists, because there's many wonderful, beautiful atheists out there. You know, mm-hmm. I know I wish they would all know Jesus, and I hope they will. Yeah. Um, but I just think... Um, you know that that what's those things are so available now that we have to then teach basic uh, Bible study principles. So when you do see these things, people aren't freaked out. Yeah. They don't have to be experts. They just have to know in advance these are there, and then be taught some, so that then when they do see them, they're not being undermined in their faith. Because that is, you know, when you read the when you hear the deconstruction stories, often it is about, well, this, you know, I, I couldn't believe in a God that this or that this is wrong or mm-hmm. these different things that are generally coming out of Scripture. And again, I'm sure there's other things going on in their lives that are part of deconstruction stories, but a lot of it's based out of Scripture, and a lot of them are misunderstandings of what the Scripture even says. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's just important to create a culture of this, and I do believe I do pe- believe people want to learn, and so um, yeah, yeah. What a great opportunity it is to be uh, teaching. <laughs> well, yeah, so. and that's actually that's why we wanted to have you on the show too. It's great because we we want to be about translating that to the church, making it easier to understand that we have answers to these tough questions. Yeah, and, and yep. you're right about like yeah. I've been thinking about a couple of things. So. When we don't interpret scriptures right, so mm. a while ago we had a guest on, his name's R.L. Solberg, and he wrote yeah. a book called Torahism, and it's about kind of like mm-hmm. the Hebrew roots movement, right? So there's all these Christians that are now saying, we got to follow Levitical uh, law, right? and it's because of a misinterpretation of scripture. Yes. And then you have progressive Christianity twisting how to interpret scripture, and then you have, you know, like the... 
the reclamation project, reformation project, that's trying to say, hey, you know, sexual ethics in the Old Testament, New Testament don't really apply anymore. And it all comes down to how do we interpret this book? And a lot of times Christians haven't done the work themselves because they're listening to their pastors. And so we're we're on board with you. We got to do a better job of teaching Bible study methods to people and then and then walking them through it so they can see how to do it. Teaching them, you know, what's the saying? Um, Like, you know, teach a man to fish. No, catch a man to fish and they eat for a day. Teach a man to fish and they, you know, eat for a lifetime. Whatever that, whatever Mm -hmm. that is, it should be man and woman. Teach a man and woman how to fish. But but to then say, uh, you know, it's like teach a, you know, a man or woman or give, give a man or woman and they get fed, you know, teach Mm -hmm. a man or woman how to study the scriptures and they'll be able to feed themselves for a lifetime. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I just think that. Uh, you know, the church is not the only source of teaching anymore. And so that's why I think this is elevating yeah. the need for teaching more so they can discern and screen what is good information out there and what is bad information, what mm-hmm. what is in alignment with historical Orthodox Christianity and what isn't. Because uh, we've done really great at highlighting Bible verses, you know, like all the positive mm-hmm. Bible verses, mm-hmm. uh, which you want to have positive Bible verses. But now what's going on, ones are being brought to the surface where God is command these are bible verses that are true yep. commanding the killing of infants and children and women right so like you'll you'll see that one pulled up or mm. you know graphics uh of the noah's ark and instead of just the happy animals on the boat noah you know then they're showing all the dead bodies floating in the water mm-hmm. so these are the things that are being pronounced more publicly out there online easy to access and that's why more of these questions are coming up today that we need then to be helping people understand and have confidence in the scriptures. Um, Mm. And some of them, there's difficult questions for sure, but there's really reasonable responses to all of them. What do you think? So, so with that, because I think this is interesting because there are a lot of things when you just take it at surface level from our culture, you know, in our language, you read it and you go, what is this? This sounds crazy. Um, But like you said, there are reasonable answers to all of them. Out of the things in your book and in scripture that you've seen that are some of the crazy sounding stuff, what do you think is the hardest one to deal with? Oh, by far, it's the violence passages. Um, I think, I mean, uh, I think the violence section, uh, and that's the last section I wrote about in there, is probably the the most difficult to believe, to not believe in, that's the wrong word, to, um, you know, to understand because we can either, and this is what's going on, you know, you can either say like, well, God, or he commands it, he can do whatever he wants. If he mm-hmm. kills people, that's fine, which is true, right? So that's true. God sure. can do whatever he wants. Then there's the other, which, which you know, there's theologians, and a lot of people are now saying, well, the Israelites, that, that isn't what God really did. He just is, um, you know, we, we, they misunderstood it, so they created mm-hmm. the these stories and the and this God, and He never commanded these things to happen. Mm-hmm. Then you're then then you're changing. That's that's when you shift into an entirely different understanding of Scripture. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and so for me, it's like, all right, I believe God. That's what the Scriptures say. God says it. I'm going to believe this, and I can try my best to understand why. It's still difficult, but it is still that's my faith and trust. I do use the illustration book of the um, Scary Mary. If somebody can type in, you know, you type in Google Scary Mary, and mm-hmm. you'll see a one, a 60-second video clip that comes up. Someone took Mary Poppins, uh-huh. the film, and, you know, and for those that don't know Mary Poppins, it's about a, a, na- a magical nanny that comes in to help a family that's kind of going through a little crisis, and then she leaves, and the family's all united and happy again. So what they did was they took little clips of Scary Mary, and they took it like when she's looking at the children and one of them gets sucked into the closet and then uh, I think <laughs> up a chimney or um, she's, you know, she, her head's twisting and then she looks out the window and you see all these other nannies fl- flying away. They took, they very cleverly took little clips from Nanny, I'm sorry, from Mary Poppins, pieced them together and then took one of the songs from the movie and made it kind of like ghost-like, eerie. And then they show it, and then at the end it says, uh, Scary Mary, hide your children, right? Oh, that's funny. Now, if I didn't know the original, right? Now, did they take every bit of that film? Was it um, every bit of that little 60-second uh, clip uh, I was telling you about? 
from the original? Yeah, it was all in the movie. Mm -hmm. They pieced it together in such a way that if I didn't know the original Mary Poppins, I would, of course, think it's a horror film. (laughs) Yeah. And so what's going on is when we start elevating, say, just the violent verses, Mm. and we're just seeing those without the story of what was going on there and not understanding God's character from Genesis through Revelation, Mm -hmm. not piecing together, you know, what does he say about himself the most? What about all the calling out for people to please change their mind before violence comes, all of these things, mm-hmm. then uh, then I'm, I could come to the conclusion that's a, a horrible, wicked God if he's just randomly ordering the killing of people. And that's not what happens. And so, yeah. but, but what's the solution? You don't know the Bible. All you see are these verses. I'm going to think scary Mary, scary, yeah. horrible, yeah. wicked, evil God. I'm not, right? Because if you don't know the whole story in the scriptures, you're going to come to an incorrect conclusion, mm. and that's what's going on. So my repetitive. That's why we got to get back to focusing on the scriptures. I, all right, I'm talking a lot, but I, I get I get actually physically riled up in a way about this because it's so urgent. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to like to any church leader. We need music, and we have a music in our church every single Sunday. You know, we have a paid person on staff for music. I love music. Music, music is wonderful. But I think we've done a disservice to the next generation by focusing so much on worship Mm. because we have so moved into more of an experiential understanding of God that I do believe happens through singing and mass singing and endorphins and dopamine and, and we get, you know, this, which is something powerful, right? And, but then if that's how you experience God, and then we're not trained to be in the truth of scripture, then and we've defined worship mainly by singing you know mm. worship that's one aspect of worship worship is you know Romans chapter 12 verse 1 and 2 yes. right the transforming by the renewing of our minds mm-hmm. right our minds have to be then learning about god through the truths of scripture and being transformed by his spirit as we understand what truth is in the scripture and then we can worship god but if we're so just focused on like, and this is what's happened so much on worship, so with music. Again, we need it, of course, but I do think we've done a disservice to the past generation or two by focusing so much mm. on that. And so much of our money in church is going towards the Sunday experience only. No, you need Sundays, of course. Sure. I, I'm, all, I'm for mega churches. I love big churches. I love little churches. But we're now seeing the fallout of people that have not been trained in the basics of scripture. And when you're not feeling the emotions, and I don't know the scriptures, then you know what? Maybe God's not real, or it's so easy now to be swayed into say, you know, we're using the term progressive beliefs, mm-hmm. and and that's why this to me it's urgent, 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 urgent. Yeah, I agree with you 100% that yeah, when we make Christianity about feeling and experience, which can be valid. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. It, it, it happens. should be. We should yeah. have emotional mm-hmm. experiences as we worship God. Absolutely. Absolutely. But right. that can't be all it is. Yeah. There yeah. has to be so there has to be a subjective experience, but there has yeah. to be an objective reality. And that's why scripture is so important because it explains to us objective reality from God's perspective, which is a much better perspective than us trying to figure it out from within. Yeah. And so I, I 100% agree with you. I, you know, we've been hearing it for, I don't know, 15 years. We live in the most biblically illiterate generation of all time. And yet we're the generation that has the most information and readily available at our fingertips. It's so ironic. Um, but as believers, we've got to continue to push mm. to help people to understand what scripture says and how to study it and how to apply it. So yeah. this book is just awesome. And and for our for our viewers, for our listeners out there, get Dan's book, How Not to Read the Bible, Making Sense of Anti-Women, Anti-Science, Pro-Violence, Pro-Slavery, and Other Crazy-Sounding Parts of Scripture. Uh, I, I loved it. I loved uh, all of the practical ways you give to study Scripture and then the examples you show us on how to make sense of the crazy parts of it. So thank you so much for writing it. Uh, and I know yeah. a lot of people are going to be blessed and and pushed to live for the Lord through it. Yeah, and then and then with that too, uh, what are some ways that people can get connected with you? How can people um, just learn more from the material that you've come out with? Yeah, I mean, I wrote. I mean, I'm a church practitioner. That's been my life, <laughs> and so I even I wrote this 
to be broken down into six parts for six easy ways to teach it, you know, whether you're just teaching the content. Mm. Zondervan, the publisher, has uh, produced six videos, like kind of like Snap. We're, we're posting them up in the next week or two, mm. uh, you know, set up kind of animated videos. I'm not in them. I don't want, I was like, make them animated with something else happening. <laughs> you know, so they're kind of like the setup videos for them. And we're putting out uh, free study guides. And, and even, and I say this so sincerely, I'm not just saying this. If somebody doesn't have 1199, that's what I just looked on Amazon. It's being offered for 1199. I will personally um, buy them one and send them on. You know, you get a free case wow. of books. Like, so when I get the, you know, so I have some, I don't want 12 bucks to hinder anyone that may want this information to be able to teach through or learn through. Mm. So, my, so you can find me on, <clears throat> it's my name, Dan Kimball, Dan, K-I-M-B-A-L-L.com. And, uh, and e you can email me through that, through there. So I'm just, you know, again, I'm, as I'm older now, my urgency, even in a, I don't know what the word is, you know, parental sort of way, like, yeah. look, it's like, man, um, I wasn't a Christian growing up and my friends were actually concerned I was becoming a Christian. Some of them were like wondering, like, what are you, what are you doing? And, <laughs> and I had to know, like, is the scriptures true? So like my entry into the, how do I know I'm not in a cult? Mm. I do think the word cult is going to be used more and more about the church and Christians in the future, but that's another mm. topic. But how do, we, you know, how do we know where this is true? Yeah. So that's why getting into the scriptures is so critical to understand where it came from. How do you study it? And I, again, I keep saying urgent. I feel the sense of urgency right now because we got the music stuff down. We got parking lots down. We got, you know, we, we've broken the cultural barriers and yeah. all of that stuff. But man, that's nothing compared. That's we need to get back to the basic doctrines of faith. Um, so that's my urgent plea to everybody. That's awesome. Well, we can, couldn't agree more with you, Dan. But hey, thanks, bro, so much for being with us here today on Christ, Culture, and Coffee. We really appreciate yes. it. thank you. And uh, thank you to our listeners for joining us today and watching this or listening to it on uh, all of your podcasting places you listen to. Uh, we're so thankful for you guys, and we will be back next week with another episode. We'll catch you then. If you enjoyed the show and felt that this podcast was beneficial to you, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Also, if you become a Level 4 supporter on our Patreon page, you can get yourself one of our stoneware, Christ Culture, and Coffee mugs, as well as a t-shirt and a sticker. We are available on all podcasting platforms, as well as YouTube, and we are also available on all social media platforms. Thanks so much for listening to Christ Culture and Coffee.